afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Joining me in the parking lot, the conversation we were just having, because I think we were going to go well over time, I have friend of the pod, Jesse Marchan, who's out of the development operations part of enablement operations of ISBN at SAP. Jesse, hello. Hello. And new friend of the pod and still Cincinnati Bengals fan, Dirk Lehman, out of the CICD program management here at SAP. Dirk, greetings and welcome. Hello. Thanks again for having me. And it's, it's, it's still Super Bowl is like when we record, it's still not happening. So, so, so <laughs> yeah, we still don't know. Right? So please, please don't tell us. Please don't tell us. Don't yeah. yell at, don't yell at, at your uh at your podcast saying no it was the blah 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 that one we don't know we we can't help you um i would have break i will have break down if i need to wait another 33 years to pay <laughs> for the Bengals to to come to the super bowl so 33 27 you've heard it here first oh wow there you go <laughs> here you go all right Derek, you might as well give your prediction jesse gave a 33 27 he's no he's not even going to do the prediction it's like <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to uh, offense seems to always carry the day at the Super Bowl. We don't have defensive uh, setup. So I think we're just going to I'm going to go with a uh, 35, 32 setup. No, 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 no. That doesn't work very well. Let's go with 38, 35, 38, 35. Bengals. And it's going to be a field goal in like with five seconds left. All right. It will be field goal. That's the only it thing. I, I it will be field goal from the Bengals because that's like tradition in the whole playoffs. So yeah, that's the only thing I know for sure. There you go. We've lost everybody who's not an American football fan, but there you go. All right, so let's continue this conversation about value stream mapping because it's one of the things we popped up at the end, and I think that there's a lot of conversation that we can have about it because not only do you have to worry about where where your value is because Dirk, you were really talking about this towards the end it's not only where's your value it's where do you map in with the value for everybody else it's where you map in for the value of to whomever you you do this it's like it's like really stepping back and asking yourself why are we doing this right so what if i always say Ask yourself what would happen if you would, and not you, like your whole team would like cease your work. What what will what will break apart? What would not work? Think about that, and that's maybe a very destructive way of thinking. But that's that's you know how you start thinking about yeah, well because well then this and that wouldn't work, and then getting this information or this piece that should flow would not reach this state where it would continue to flow. And then you, you scratch the surface of, of what is the value stream and where are you located in the value stream? Jesse, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Another way to uh, that sometimes helps folks is to visualize um, you know, a, a factory line or something similar, or manufacturing line. Um, it's it's a very concrete sort of visual. If, if someone can think of like a car manufacturing line or a airplane manufacturing line or something like that, uh, and that's a, a lot of where some of these value stream mapping and, and lean techniques have have come from. Now with software, a lot of this is invisible uh, because it's you know software and code, not 
parts of cars. But but the point remains that that um, a lot of this has come out of out of the manufacturing world, and there it's really easy to see the the manufacturing line and the value stream from the you know source materials or in essence the idea all the way out to sending it out to the customer and shipping it to the customer or, or what have you. So um, picture that manufacturing line, picture how your team's, what your team's portion of that is. And that starts to set some of those boundaries and, and perhaps help you identify. And, and you know, I, I, know, I know there's a lot of complexities in the software world. If you're a QA team, you may be a shared resource or, or a SDET team or, or whatever. Or if you're an ops team, you may be supporting multiple platforms and, and value streams. And, and that is totally fair. Um, and, and, and those are some of the complexities that have to be, be unearthed. But, but long story short, you know, from that idea to that uh, writing in production, there are a bunch of steps and a bunch of teams uh, typically involved. And the work is identifying those and, and starting to map those out. And I'm curious about, about this, Dirk, uh, when Jesse talks through, you know, the idea of a value stream map and you use the options uh, or the conversation piece of having it be uh, similar to a, a line worker on building a car or an airplane. If I'm an information worker, individual contributor, I don't want to ever think that I'm a guy working on the manufacturing line. So how, how, do you, how do you transition that thought to making, because, you know, I was an individual contributor as, as a, a, a developer. And it's like, I don't want to know that I'm, you know, I'm a guy bolting rivets onto a plane. So how do you, how do you help spin that to an IC to where they go, oh, okay, it's cool. You know, I, I, I don't take offense at this. Right, it, it exactly as, as Jesse said, because it's not visible. In, in software industry, we are not moving parts around. So you can't stand on top of the factory top floor and, and see how parts are moving. You don't see that. That's why so it's important when, when, when you know, uh, the, the agile people say we need to work, make, make work visible because that's the only thing that, that, that we have, right? To, to see the parts moving and see, oh yeah, there's, there's really something going on. Um, and and I, I'm not sure whether I would go with, with, the, with the thing that people are not interested in um, or not taking care about what's going on, that they are part in, in that manufacturing line and they are just one part of it. I think people have quite often have no chance to see what is to their right and what is to their left and, and what is basically the, the, the ultimate function of, of, of um, the the whole value stream of which they are working in. Um, I think it, if you visualize that, I think it, it becomes quite obvious to everyone that look, if you optimize only your station, right? Of the production line, we say, okay, but now I can, I, you know, I gave more power to my, I don't know, trill, whatever, screwdriver. Uh, I can now, uh, uh, drill the, the screws in double time. That's good. That's perfect. But it doesn't matter because you know next person in line cannot digest the, the the win in productivity that you might have gained, and you can only see that if you if you look at it end end to end. And for this, you need to have this 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 system thinking, this value stream understanding. And 
I really, I've never seen people who are not interested in that. It's just that from in the most cases, maybe all cases that I know, it's no one told them. No one ever gave them the chance to, to like, okay, let's step back. Let's, if you change a team, it's quite often that you get a lot of, as a developer, you get a lot of instruction on it. Well, this is our source code management. This is where your repo is and you need to do the pull request. And this is the IDE and you need to install this and this plugin. So you, you get all the, the stuff that you need for doing your work. But quite seldom, way too seldom, there is someone coming over, taking you aside and say, okay, listen, I explain you a little bit what we are building, right? This is, this is the market that we're in and these are the competitors and we think our unique uh, selling proposition is this and that. And, you know, we need another dozen customers and then we all actually have reached that, that break even point where we really do make a lot of money and um, we are going to that fair. This is important for us because uh, our customers will be there and telling you all the, the stories surrounding that. And how, how did that thing spark? Who had the idea of, of doing that thing so that you get all this knowledge and understanding of like, like what is it that, that, I'm, that we are building here? Where did it come from? What, what, is, what are the other constraints? What are the other things? And as I said, it's about information management. It's always not blowing all the information that you have into, into one, trying to blow that into one person's mind. At the end, you need to have all the information in the whole system, in, in the team. And the individual parts of that system need to have an understanding where they can find further information. They need to have a, a certain base level of information. And it's like, it's like what my teachers always said to me at university. You don't need to understand how this thing exactly, why that mathematical formula is like that. I explain it to you now. If you forget it, it's okay, we can live with that. You just have to, to, to understand it's in that book. If you need it, it's in that book, right? And then you, you will find out. And it's the same way here. You need to understand, okay, I'm not an expert in that topic, but I could ask whatever my colleague is, go there and they will explain me why it is important that we, I don't know, shut down that landscape or move over to that data center, which you know creates effort on myself. Yeah, to add on to that, my, my experience is that I think uh, people would react much more to getting a pager duty notification at 2 a.m. on a you know, failed deployment and trying to figure out the right person to talk to uh, on, a, on a Friday or Saturday early morning than uh, being compared to <laughs> someone as part of a process in a factory line. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, when, it, when it comes down to it, these... Whether whether or not uh, you you feel like uh, uh, or, or you you know you hold a, a certain amount of of pride in being a knowledge worker, um, ultimately it's about how that impacts your actual day to day life and, and work and 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 um, ultimately very little is built by one person that can be from idea all the way to the end. So it's we're always relying on on our teammates and other parts and and however you want to frame it. Um, it's never fun when you're you're searching for the right information at at 2 a.m. or midnight or whatever on 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 something that you don't want to be doing at that moment, especially when there's a lot of pressure. You know that every team has that individual who's like the repository of knowledge, 
And the last thing you want to do is to bother that person at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning who because they may have just come off of pager duty or they might have just done all of those things. And it's one of the things that I appreciate about the content that we have talking through end-to-end -end ownership where it's, you know, make sure that you're doing knowledge transfer sessions. Not only, I think not only between groups, but within a group, because having a single point of success is not good for anybody. It's not good for the single point of success. And it's not good for everybody else on the team because they become overly reliant on that person. And, and isn't that interesting? Um, if, I, if I might, I, I do have a question. How, how is that in the, in the educational system? If you go to university and you study, I don't know, information technology, software engineering, whatever that, that is named. He, over here, you, what, you, what you get taught is a lot about you know, the, the engineering, nitty-gritty details, how to program, how the microprocessor works, and, and this and that. But there's very few, at least when I was in university, but just quite a while ago, but um, there was basically nothing or not much that taught, that taught you the, 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 the point about software engineering, professional software engineering is not, not so much about knowing all these engineering details. It's about how to deal with other smart, smart people. And, 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 you know, a lot of people, I think, go into in, in, in that expectations or that, well, I will work with computers rather than I will work with, with, with people. And, and at the end, what you, what you, you know, you, you do your five, 10 years, whatever, how long it takes you to, to realize, actually, my job is about how do I work along in a good way with other smart people? So it's about people. It's not so much about the engineering computer kind of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was not a computer science uh, major, so I, I, plus I'm getting old, so uh, I, I don't have the, the straight answer on that. But I, I think it's, from what I've uh, understood and talked with um, and, uh, and some of my friends, I, I think it's, very similar over here in, in the U.S. On, on how that education in the in the uh, in the computer science backgrounds works, it's much more focused on on you know the functions and the and the math and and some of the languages and things like that. That being said, I would say some of the more recent you know academic research and you know you know especially coming out of you know like the Amy Edmondson and and you know what Google did with their with their Aristotle and some of their other, you know, organizational uh, uh, um, management and organizational behavior sort of analysis and and uh, Adam Grant and a lot of these things are, you know, a lot of these these people more people focused types of uh, of topics have have melded with um, um, the you know tech industry and we're seeing a lot of research come out of of that I think probably in the last what five eight years at this at this point um, I mean you know even accelerate the book uh, on on high performing organizations was was pretty interesting and and is, has out been out three or four years now and and uh, talks a lot about what are those capabilities and to your point there some of them are are certainly technical but there there's a lot that have to do with um, a mixing of in essence, lean and technology and people-oriented capabilities. 
It's funny because I've done work for the past couple of years with uh, interns who come into the U.S. So in the U.S., every spring and summer, you have a flock of interns who come in, spend the summer being whatever they're being, and then we send them back to school or we hire them if they're seniors, or at least we try to, if they work. Uh, but what I've found in talking with them is that they actually explore agile concepts as a team in in school. So I think I think the younger, you know, fresh out of school scenario, I think they actually have a little more experience than those who are more seasoned, because those who are more seasoned, you know, it's like, oh, well, we tried agile once before, or, you know, we did that 20 years ago and it didn't work. So we, we stopped doing it. And you get the, I get interns who send me emails during the summer. It's like, how do I, how do I work with this team that doesn't want to do what I'm used to doing? How do I, how do I have the conversation with them? And it's like, okay, well, first off, you're the intern. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a conversation that we can have on the side over here, but, you know, don't lose hope is what I would say to those interns, right? Because it is, you know, you might've been put on a team that doesn't do anything that we've talked about, that doesn't believe in a cloud culture, that doesn't have, you know, all of the things that we're trying to get through here, you will find them. And if you seek them out, they, they are there. Yeah. So there is hope that that's good to hear. I, I also saw that most might most probably because of my of my age. Or as you said, seasoned. I like that word. It sounds way better than <laughs> I'm I'm old. I'm seasoned. Yeah, that's no. As a non-native speaker, this is now added to my vocabulary. Ka-ching already. Thank you. See, ka-ching. I think ka-ching ends up being the has to be somewhere <laughs> in either one of these episodes. <laughs> Because we've used Kaching twice, I, maybe we should start a streak as to whether or not we use Kaching. Diana, let's work on that, shall we? Oh, I actually have um, I have your uh, two titles. Uh, the first one is from the aha moment to the Kaching moment. moment. That is golden. I and knew that was going to be. Yeah. How do I work with smart people? <laughs> Those are great. I, you know, and okay, since we're, I think we're going to be at time here pretty soon is that uh, in a how the sausage is made moment, we actually roll through the episodes and we try to come up with titles and then we test the titles and the title that gets tested the highest is the one that we end up using. So it may actually be the ka moment or it could be the working with smart people moment. I don't know. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. I don't know who won. I don't know what yeah. title we're going to use. <laughs> So gentlemen, since we're heading close to time, I wanted to make sure, is there anything else that we wanted to bring up? Because I think we could be here for a while, but I, I, I think we want to try to, you know, keep it in the spirit of, of uh, you know, not taking up everybody's day. Is there anything, any last thoughts that you have about uh, about end-to-end -end ownership and collaboration that we haven't covered yet? That's a I have a ton of things that we haven't talked about, right, Jesse? I think we, we haven't talked about team topologies, right? We, yeah, we only right. scratch surface. So, yeah. um, and, and how that plays in, into the whole game. And I think Jesse could narrate a lot of, 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 of stuff about that um, as far as I know what you're currently doing. Um, we haven't talked about systems thinking. So the whole 
lean origins. So, um, yeah, so this is, um, there's a lot of stuff we, we could, we could continue talking, but like if, if people are interested, I would, I would tell them, you know, dig deeper into team topologies. And if you want to dig deeper into system thinking, it's for sure Deming, uh, Dr. Deming. Uh, but also there's a lot of fun videos by uh, Dr. Russ, uh, Russell Eckhoff. So if you like that, search on uh, YouTube for Russell Eckhoff. I, I really like uh, like his his talks that are out there on, on YouTube, very entertaining. And I always have to watch them twice or three times. Might be that I'm not a native speaker, but it's really like I didn't get everything that this person said. I need to rewatch it. And every time I watch it, it's like, oh, ah, there's a new universe in, in what, what this person says. So um, everyone who is interested in, in system thinking, this is really gold. Yeah, see? Dirk's, Dirk's nailed it. But I'll, I'll try to leave with a, a visual I'll describe uh, that, that I really like that, that hopefully embodies sort of end-to-end -end ownership. So envision yourself on a, a, a crew boat or a rowboat with you, with your team uh, and and you're trying to go from point a to point b as quickly as possible if one if you guys aren't synchronized and one person's pulling like three times as fast it you're going to pull to the uh, you know whatever direction that's not the direction you want to go so if you guys are all synchronized and you're all moving to your target, you're, you're getting there as, as quickly as possible. And if you locally optimize one person's pulling faster or way slower than everyone else, it's going to, it's going to not get you to where you want. So that's there the visual go. I'll leave you with. And, and that's why end-to-end -end ownership sort of matters or there definitely you go. matters. That's a, that's a perfect place for us to stop on this parking lot and on this little section. I have a feeling we're gonna revisit this conversation and parts of this conversation in future iterations. So uh, Jesse, Dirk, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for spending the time. Uh, I'm gonna say that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. And Jesse. And I'm Derek. Until the next iteration, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us on mail at info at fasterthanstandup.com or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.